It is June 7th, 2022, NXT 2.0, the fallout from NXT TakeOver in your house. This is the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I am Glenn Rubenstein, joined by Alfred Kanawa and NYC Demon Diva Issa tonight to talk about this fallout, the NXT 2.0 Women's Breakout Tournament. We've got a winner. We've got some new storylines in motion ahead of Great American Bash. We've got someone from the main roster who is now back in NXT slightly different uh than when we saw and heard him last only all slightly. that and more only slightly those those diction what, what lessons. do you mean glenn i didn't notice any differences why don't no, you elaborate he, on this? he was taking diction lessons he, he had a very strong accent and i have to say it's remarkable how working with the speech uh tutor and coach how like no shades of the accent wow incredible maybe i should call the person that he's working with Fully integrated oh. for our very eyes. We saw him integrated into society. He's fully American now. Uh, all that and more tonight on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. What is going on in the news? Do we have anything new? What's the latest with MJF and AEW? Is I feel like that's all anyone's talked about the last two weeks. Well, that's I don't even know really, if that's in the news. Is that even in not, the news? There's no real movement on the MJF situation. I mean, there is an article on Wrestling Inc. about Jake the Snake Roberts, who's an old school guy who said that the promo made him sick, and he goes into that, so check that out. But it's kind of quiet on the MJF from, until he decides to work the entire wrestling media again, which I absolutely loved. But uh, before that, uh, away from embarrassing the wrestling media through MJF, Clarification on Stephanie McMahon stepping away from WWE. Now, this has become kind of a dramatic story. I have a piece on Forbes that I posted oh. today uh, on the Stephanie McMahon situation. Of course, she did leave on her own accord, uh, courted to Stephanie McMahon to spend time with her family. Of course, she has Triple H, who her husband uh, suffered a life-threatening incident and is now has heart issues, but uh, she is uh, stepped away from her role as chief brand officer for the time being but then some articles and some stories started leaking out in the press clearly designed to bury Stephanie McMahon in terms of performance issues uh, clarification from Dave Meltzer the Wrestling Observer newsletter said that he insists that Stephanie McMahon it was a hundred percent her decision to step away uh, she was not fired by Vince McMahon as it was kind of suggested in a business insider piece which went into performance issues and how WWE's ad sales were not growing as much as they would have liked compared to the UFC, which that was Stephanie McMahon's area. But to clarify, as far as we know, Stephanie McMahon stepped away on her own and a lot of the stories that have been coming out lately on Stephanie McMahon uh, seem to have come out from within WWE to present a narrative that Stephanie McMahon was not good at her job. Glenn, are you surprised to see this about Stephanie McMahon? You don't fuck with the billion dollar princess. <laughs> it's all right. It's like succession. She's going to be back good or bad. She will be back in the fold and uh, there will be a price to pay for those that crossed her. But no, I think, um, it's very interesting because what metric are they measuring it against? I think WWE, despite all their financial uh, success, is a company that's convinced they, you know, Nick Khan, since he's been in the mix, is convinced they could be making more money doing anything and everything. Remember when they were like, oh, we don't want our talent doing Twitch. That should be money that we're making. We don't want our talent doing cameos. It's money we should be making. Think about the advertising market of the last two years. And I think whatever WWE made is remarkable given where economic uncertainty has been. I think it's very unfair to try and scapegoat any lack of greater success on her. And by the way, I mean, NFTs, podcasts, 
cameo look at all the different things they've dipped their toe in without even really knowing what they're doing or having a set strategy um just came out today someone that was working heading up the podcast efforts at wwe and the creative side left went back to his old former video game site um i think that wwe sometimes jumps into things with the profit expectation doesn't know how they're going to pencil it out or make it work i think it's very unfair to try and scapegoat stephanie mcmahon I just want to say that maybe Stephanie McMahon was holding it down until Vince fired Shane McMahon so then she could be like, you messed up first. And then since we know that Vince fired Shane in January, she stopped caring because now she couldn't mess up as bad as Shane did. So that's my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, to follow up on your question about WWE's metrics, in terms of whether or not she was doing a good job, it looks like WWE's metrics was comparing to UFC, which garnered $100 million in ad sales and brand sponsorships. And WWE came short of that, but they still had record years in terms of sponsorship and ad revenue. WrestleMania alone, they were up 50% year over year. Uh, They were up 34% for the year in terms of ad sales, in terms of first quarter ad sales and revenues. And to your point, Glenn, last year alone, they just, I wrote a piece that it was the year of product placement in WWE, where we saw the living dead zombie partnership we saw the netflix egg partnership product placement was all over wwe and continues to be and even though they are doing record numbers in terms of the amount of money they're bringing and clearly they've got very very high standards in terms of the numbers they want to see and clearly they want to outdo ufc well as part of that narrative let me tell you something that just popped into my mind wwe won't take male enhancement as a category of a sponsor ufc will wwe won't take manscaped as a sponsor, UFC will. And I'm sure whatever rates WWE is trying to charge are probably much higher than UFC, which is precluding them from getting more sponsors in the door because they want Netflix money. They want Snickers money. They want to go after what they consider to be mainstream brands, whereas UFC has always had brands that were more on the come up and not your traditional um, consumer package goods. We're not you even know? talking about how UFC is ripping everybody off ever since mm-hmm. they signed this ESPN Plus deal, which is, I, don't even get me started on that, but the cost to keep up with UFC and watch all of their events is so much more higher than WWE. So that's where that the one is coming from. And we yeah, can even and- get more specific on them ripping people off. They're ripping people off with this sponsorship deal as well, because if you'll remember, not even in the early days, it was as recently as, I believe, five to seven years ago, UFC athletes could go out and get their own sponsorship and they would have yeah. them on their gear. Now UFC gets all of that money uh, through a Reebok sponsorship that was very lucrative. No, it's not a Reebok fighters. anymore. Isn't it Viper it now? To, like, yeah, yeah, initially it, it was Reebok. Reebok. But, yeah. yeah, initially it was Reebok, but whatever brand sponsorship they have, they get the money and the athletes don't get to individually right. sponsor themselves that was a big that was a big deal the athletes were not happy and they were getting very little money from the Reebok deal unless you were a big time you know one of those big time names that were selling a lot of merch I don't see as much UFC individual unless we're talking about McGregor or those names that are known you don't see very individual merchandise sell like you see a lot of just the general UFC merchandise I remember when they did the first show in MSG they actually put effort into that merch I remember I bought a bunch of it because it was very cool looking but the normal UFC merch is not something that I just want to buy. I mean, they even misspell some of the athletes' names at times. It's bad. And <laughs> let, me, let me just be clear about this. I don't care if it's Nick Connor, whoever is trying to fill the power vacuum and get Vince's ear. I guarantee you they're scapegoating Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, anyone they can that no longer works at the company or that isn't in Vince's good graces. They're trying to do that to Curry Favor. And that's just 
you know, the, the, the insect politics that is the, uh, the, the way WWE works. And consider that Nick Khan, who, from what I imagine, had a great relationship with Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. I understand that they were very instrumental in bringing him into the fold in WWE. But Nick Khan is a Hollywood agent. He comes from that agent world. That's as cutthroat as anything. Like, they portray it on Entourage to be this backstabbing business. It's even worse than that. And I just think that ever since the Triple H thing where he was scapegoated for NXT failing against AEW, there's been a drip, drip, drip that the crown is there for the taking. Very succession-like. Mm-hmm. And I think any opportunity they have to pursue the crown and get closer to that heir apparent, they're going to take it. Because really nobody knows who's going to be next if something were to happen to Vince McMahon. And I think everybody's trying to position themselves to be next. And let me just say, uh, I think this has proven that Shane McMahon's true calling, his greatest talent, is actually in the ring. Because, bro, how did you screw this up? Like... <laughs> Your sister's gone. Your brother-in-law's gone. Like, this was your chance. And you go into the Royal Rumble trying to make it all about putting yourself over rather about like, hey, I've got some fresh ideas. How about three hours of Raw Underground Monday night? Shane, you could have run this kingdom. You blew it, bro. Thankfully, Vince McMahon changes his mind a lot, and Shane is back in the fold now. So who knows? Maybe Vince will wake up on the right side of the bed one day and decide, Shane's the guy. I also don't, I don't want to play devil's advocate here but let's just say let's just (laughs) i know glenn glenn already told me he does not want to live in a world when i'm not defending the bad people but what if nick Khan is so damn good at his job that some of the mcmahon family members just want to say i'm gonna go enjoy my money this guy's got it i don't need to be here i'm a millionaire i never even get to spend time with my kids i have these beautiful dogs i never get to hang out with let this my hand i'm gonna go take some time off you never know we don't know nobody knows unless you like in yeah. there, you know talk about rebelling against your parents who raised you having no work-life balance whatsoever and being all about committed to their job so yeah that's huge rebellion on steph and uh shane's part if that's the case i'll show you i'll take time off i'll take some vacation that's like a kryptonite to vince mcmahon Oh, 1,000%. You you heard him. And even as of recently in the Pat McAfee show, he's talking about how he still never takes time off. This man is like 110 years old. Yeah, they don't have to go work at Starbucks to, to make ends meet. I'm sure they've got enough money through their stock and compensation where they have a vested interest where they'll do just fine. But I don't know. I think um, what, what does that say about the stage they're on? at in life their humility being able to check their ego if if that's the case more power to them if they just say no, oh no it's just it's just a midlife crisis glenn it's not that deep (laughs) (laughs) well moving on to our next story speaking of midlife crises edge is in the news here where he was thrown out of the judgment day last night in a surprise swerve for those of you who are wondering internally edge has been slotted as a baby face. Issa, what are your thoughts of Edge being kicked out of the Judgment Day? Where does he go from here? First of all, amazingly done. I was not expecting that. I was expecting Finn or maybe AJ Styles to join them, maybe Liv Morgan. I didn't know. I was not expecting for them to turn on Edge. I thought the swerve was very well done. Now, I have a theory, and I'm not talking about Austin here, and I'm going to put it out there just in case it happens. Like Glenn says, everybody remembers that one time you were right. (laughs) Did you not find it clever that they have decided to put Edge back on his own the same night that they announced that John Cena's coming back? Oh. Nostalgia sells and SummerSlam's coming up. I'm just throwing that out there. Wow. 
Edge versus Cena, though, when's the last time that happened? I want to say 2006, 2007. It happened know. long enough for it to count as nostalgia and bring yeah. in that money. Okay. We already going to have two old people fighting SummerSlam weekend. You have like Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. So WWE is like, we're going to show you what senior citizenship fighting looks like. And they're going to put Edge versus John Cena. It's going to be great. Their styles are so different, though. That's like combining ballet with breakdancing uh, between the two of them. Right. I mean, really different approaches. I, I'm I'm here for it. I think they should rebrand the 24-7 championship, the 24 times 7 championship to match the age of the people who win it. And let's just have a whole title division. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I, by the way, I thought that the angle was well done only because it surprised me so much. But if you really think about it, it doesn't make that much sense. And it's very weird in how herky-jerky this all became because Edge seemed like he was really going to go all the way with this angle. And then automatically it's just done. I think he sees the writing on the wall for how really piss poor this Judgment Day stable was. Oh, yeah. Besides the John Cena theory that I have, the move scream, this is not working out. And I just really hope they go somewhere with um, Finn, Damian Priest. And Rhea Ripley, and I just hope they don't just go into obscurity. I'm keeping my hopes high just because Rhea did win that number one contender, which, by the way, I've been begging for Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair. We're finally going to get it. But I do think Rhea Ripley winning that goes to show you that there is still a little bit of hope behind the Judgment Day. Mm. I think they need to change their their name to Judgment Night in honor of the Emilio Estevez, Dennis Leary film and its banging soundtrack. Let's go. Issa, you talked about hope. Our final news story does relate to hope for AEW Rampage. Finally, some good news in that there is no time slot disruptions or preemptions seen anytime in the near future. Of course, they might have to worry about that in October for the MLB playoffs, but it's looking like for the time being, AEW Rampage will be back in its normal time slot of 10 Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Uh, they didn't draw all that great of a number. In fact, a pretty bad number for Rampage back in its normal time slot for a live edition in Ontario, California. It did about 475,000. Not too far off from the Fast Nationals that I posted this past weekend, which, by the way, breaking news story, the Fast Nationals I got this weekend came from MJF. So, I mean, he, they're just going all kinds of lengths to work everybody. He's sending the Fast Nationals. Like, I don't even know what's going on anymore, Issa. Wow, I thought, so is, is NJF taking over the streets now? Is that what you're trying to tell me? <gasps> I just want to, I, listen, he's in the streets now. I mean, that tells you that he might be talking to somebody. If the Fast Nationals came from MJF, he's got to be in these streets, right? Listen, if you if you add just a little bit of street factor to MJF, I'm ready to be a cougar and marry him. That's the only thing that he's missing. And if you're telling me that right now, I'm ready. I'm ready. We, I'll wear a Burberry dress to the wedding. That would be... <laughs> I mean, I think Saturday. Okay, so first off, looking forward to Dynamite tomorrow because I, I think, I think what I predicted might actually happen. I think MJF might get escorted out of the building tomorrow. He has to sign a short-term deal with New Japan, finds a way into the qualifier that way, wins the interim championship, and then holds that title hostage, continuing the storyline, right? Because Warner supposedly removed football promo material. Like they're now, they got to kick this up a notch, right? But in an ultimate heel move, yes, this coming Saturday, MJF absolutely needs to release the Fast Nationals if Rampage had a dip in viewers. Like, MJF absolutely needs to be the one to do that. 100%. I'll let you guys know if he does this Saturday. And I've heard a lot of fantasy booking about what MJF is supposed to do, what AEW should do with this interim title between that and MJF. My favorite 
fantasy booking is Glenn's idea that MGF should go to New Japan and win that title. I think that would be incredible. I think it would be kind of like AEW uh, correcting the CM Punk storyline from 2011, where I think people were expecting CM Punk to go around to other promotions. Even though it's WWE, people were hoping that he can do that now. And I think that would be great. A great use of AEW's well, partnership and a way to save this angle. And thank you. And let me tell you the other angle we need with that remember when mjf was doing the pseudo baby face thing early on and he would constantly name drop tony khan and uh cody and even ddpy like he would always talk about you know facts about about his friends at the time he needs to become like that kid who spends a semester abroad on a foreign exchange program and when he's new japan when he gets the shot through new japan he needs to never stop talking about new japan and japanese culture like he just learned these facts about it. Now he's going to go on and on and on like Cliff Clavin and just tell you everything he's learned about Japan. If this is the way this is going to go, the first thing I want MJF to do is visit Cody Rose at the hospital with the title, with the, and take a picture of him with that new Japan title, visiting Cody Rose in the hospital. It will be beautiful. Well, he doesn't have to win the title. He just has to win the shot, right? He just has to win the opportunity to face... Uh... I, and I think I think him versus Moxley makes the most sense. Or actually, Wardlow. Ward, if Wardlow wins tomorrow night, so if MJF well, gets well, to well, Wardlow was the number one contender until Tony Khan decided to mess around with the rankings. You know. So I am telling you, if <laughs> if MJF, yeah. if Wardlow wins that battle royal and beats Moxley tomorrow night, they are a thousand percent going to find a way to get MJF in through. New you, but you do know that as of Wednesday night, Warlow was the number one rank. Yeah. And then when everything happened on Friday with CM Punk, they changed the rankings overnight and they went from weekly to overall rankings to make sure that <laughs> Moxley ranked at number one. Now, I cover the rankings every week on my stream, so I can sniff this right away. You know, I, I did see, I called it out, I did see a tweet about how Moxley had the best overall ranking but then then they said that so did Anthony Ogogo but Moxley's victories were better opponents which now you're putting down elevation and dark but that's a whole different conversation to get into and just saying the rankings are fake that's what I'm saying look at that investigative Issa investigative journalism from Issa I love that I did you're not know that at all that's great in the chat room, people talking now about the Judgment Night soundtrack. Have you have you listened to either of you the Judgment Night soundtrack? The mix of hip hop and rock groups that gave us House of Pain and Helmet, Cypress Hill and Sonic Youth, Cypress Hill and Pearl Jam, Run DMC and Living Color, uh, De La Soul and Teenage Fan Club, and my favorite track, which was Faith No More and the Booyah Tribe. Uh, absolutely slamming soundtrack album, all collaborations. It was like the birth of rap rock. Sounds amazing. It's really good. The movie sucks. But the soundtrack <laughs> is incredible. I feel like uh, usually the better the soundtrack, the worse the movie. Yeah. Well, with the exception of like Footloose. Yeah. Dumb and Dumber yeah. also had a great soundtrack. Dumb and Dumber has an all-time soundtrack. B right? Big Dead Eye Dick fan? Yeah. Love that new yeah. HBO song? <laughs> <laughs> that is like one of the shittiest songs like that, I mean, like they were writing that and we're just like, we're going to be a one hit wonder, guys. Like, yeah. there's no coming back from this. Just go for it. Put it all on this one. Yes. She don't eat meat, but she sure likes the bone. Uh, I hate that I remember the lyrics of that fucking song. Okay. Uh, no, New Jack City had an awesome soundtrack and was an awesome movie. That is also an exception. Uh, okay. So let's get into NXT, I say, as I finish my fit soda. I'm now hooked on this. I had this the other night, the uh, diet zero calorie orange cream soda. This is the best diet soda I've ever had. 
It's really, I'm sad. Glenn, every week, every week is the best soda you've had. Every week. Do you like orange creamsicles, Isa? I do not. Really? Yes. That is interesting. Alfred, how about I'm you? Where the, do you stand on I'm the orange creamsicles? I don't think you understand cream how picky of an eater I am. Alfred, I where do you love stand? orange creamsicles. I did compliment the beverages for that creamsicle made it look delicious. It was my favorite popsicle growing up. And I thought you were actually going into a bit like Kel Mitchell where he says, who loves orange cream soda? I love orange creamsicle. Is it true? I do, I do, I do. Ooh. It's so good. I'm just going to keep talking about it until they sponsor me. Yeah, gotta, let's get it. Yeah, get it hooked up. It's so good. Uh, I tried the black cherry flavor, the black cherry cola. Not so hot. But the orange creamsicle, the orange dream one, this good stuff available at Sprouts nationwide. Uh, so NXT tonight, we open with Solo Sokoa having a face-off with uh, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams, reminding him that he's got next. Grayson Waller came out. And, man, they... Uh, the same way, how far away do you think they are from just straight up saying those brothers are the Usos? Because I feel like tonight they really got right up to that line. Alfred, what do you think of this segment? I thought it was a good segment. I thought Solo came off as a huge baby face. I think people are ready to see him win that title. And yeah, they keep using that. And I think that is part of his popularity because he is a dead ringer for the Usos. And I think people think it's only a matter of time before he, who knows how long the bloodline is going to go, but it's only a matter of time before he joins up with the Usos and even Roman Reigns to some capacity. But I, I like it. I, I thought he came off very well here. I really just don't want to see Carmelo have a short run. I want another long run from Carmelo. But at the same time, I think it would be cool if Solo won that title. Isa? Yeah, I I know I, I, I texted you guys. I, I wasn't able to watch all of NXT in your house, but I did watch this match, and that was probably the title change that shocked me because I really thought mm -hmm. that um, Cameron Grimes was going to walk away with this title, and then Solo Sequoia would take him from it. I am ready to see Solo in, in some kind of title program. So in my opinion, it's like if you weren't, if you're not, I don't want Cameron Hayes to lose it. So maybe put him against Brown Breaker because Brown Breaker, well, now he has something. We'll get into that. But um, yeah, I think so. Solo has it. And it's funny enough because a friend of mine, very casual viewer, texted me today and asked me which one of the Usos was in NXT tonight. <laughs> and I had to go ahead and let her know that that is the third Uso. <laughs> so, I, of course, they have to use the bloodline. It is so obvious what, what, you know, what family he's from that it only makes sense that they just go there. But with all the surprise visits from main roster to NXT, just let the Usos come down even once and give Solo Sikoa a good rub. It's funny because his brothers are twins, but his name's Solo. <laughs> How ironic. <laughs> I was drinking, Glenn. Come on. <laughs> um, so this set up the match between uh, Mello, Grayson Waller, and Solo for the main event tonight. Um, but yeah, this was okay. We got a hype package for Von Wagner. Um, and then we had Von Wagner with Ms. Caldwell and Mr. Stone versus Josh Briggs with Fallon Henry and Book Shenson. Who's Ms. Caldwell again? She's the one who keeps showing up, right? Sophie Caldwell, who we haven't heard too much about her, but she's just the muse who just keeps popping oh. up and tempting these gentlemen. <laughs> well, that's about all there is to say about this match. Um, <laughs> Josh Briggs won. Very backward psychology in this match. Two big men, but you know, you would think it was a clash of the titans, but the babyface big man needed two people to help him win. Von Wagner is not it. That's it. That's all I have to say. 
Yes. We've been the tor- tornado Anthony Y. Tornado that's got merch, by the way. Uh, Alfred's going to retweet Get that, that. merch. Yeah, Get I will retweet it. Merch. Look forward to me wearing it on this podcast. Get that merch. Tornado 613. Threat level 9.5. God damn it. This is thinking about making a Raj McDuck sign for Raw next week. I would love, and this is all I've wanted for six years. The six years I've been in this podcast. I just want signs that reference this podcast at a TV taping, preferably WWE or AEW. You can reference me. You can reference Wrestling Inc. You can reference Raj. That's fine. But that's all I want. I just, I just want to know we've made an impact. Absolutely. We'd love to see it. I'm going to be looking for it. I will be watching Raw next week as intently as any Raw as I've ever watched. Looking for that tornado. There you have it. Um, Santos Escobar is now part of the D'Angelo family. And he faced Nathan Frazier, as I like to call him the British Heath Slater, uh, <laughs> tonight. Uh, Tony D'Angelo in commentary. A high point. Issa, what did you think of this? Of course, Tony D'Angelo commentary was a high point. Tony D'Angelo making Santos do all of his dirty work is also a high point. I I, I don't know where they'll go with this, but for week one, I'm, I'm not tired of it. I was loving it, you know, and he was like having opening doors in the parking lot. That is so dangerous. That is so like the, the, he put this man's life at risk today. And listen, I'm here for it. It was distracting from the match uh, just because I really was just paying attention to everything Tony was saying on commentary more than paying oh, yeah. attention to the match. But the moments that I did watch, it was actually an excellent match. I really, really like Santos Escobar. And also, I know Alfred popped for this too. The crowd continuing to sing Legado, even though the entrance music is no longer playing. I thought that was a beautiful moment. <laughs> I love that too. That actually was a bittersweet moment for me because I thought it was awesome. But then I remembered, oh shit, now that they lost, we don't get to hear that music anymore. So we're not going to hear those look out chants. But then they did it anyway, which is good. But I'm sure going to miss that music. I think this is great. It's off to a great start. I was excited about it here on the podcast when we covered this match. I love the fact that Tony D'Angelo is now critiquing Santos Escobar's matches and telling him what he should and shouldn't be doing. And for that, I get annoyed when WWE has tried this and it's never quite worked yet. But I would like to have seen Tony D'Angelo have a live mic with commentary. And because that was part of the story of this match is Tony D'Angelo telling Santos Escobar what moves he can and can't do. And I think it could have enhanced the match for the live crowd there. But I thought this was a good match. And I'm a big fan of watching Nate Fraser take bumps. He might be the best in the company. at really? Just the bumps that he takes in terms of how athletic he is. It's really something to watch. And, and, you know, he got that win. And they did a good job telling that story, which you know this is where they're going with it. Disgruntled Santos Escobar having to take orders from Tony D'Angelo. It's simple, but it's effective. And Tony D'Angelo has really realized his character. I think he's hitting his stride just effectively at the right time with this storyline agreed curious to see what happens next but yes nathan frazier won that match tony d'angelo two dimes and stacks got in the ring to berate escobar where's electra lopez yeah probably still in the yacht honestly (laughs) they put her in the water i told them not to go on that yacht i told them not to get on the water should have listened to me so braun breaker who ah. now I have dubbed uh, the human equivalent of a surge soda from the 1990s <laughs> uh, came to the ring. And I guess this was a promo. I mean, Issa, talk to me about Braun's dynamic personality and why you find him mesmerizing on the mic. Stop it. Get some help. <laughs> you know, 
you know how I feel about Brown Breaker, and it completely got even worse throughout this Josie, uh, you know, feud. I just can't. Like, like they showed him backstage before he even came out, and he's doing that Raquel Rodriguez smiling thing, and he just went through a experience in which his father was kidnapped and he was going through all of these weird things and he's just like now two days later like smiling i didn't pay attention to a word he said glenn i'm sorry he, and let me make it clear he can wrestle he's got a good look he's talented but good lord can we just please like get someone else to speak for him like, I don't yeah. think the speaking is a problem. I, I, as a Braun Breaker apologist on this podcast, he was scripted to essentially say nothing. That I didn't think his delivery was a problem. He I'm just afraid, I know fucked. a lot of people that are scripted to say nothing and they can make it interesting. I, I was not, well, what is the nothing that could have been interesting in this promo? All he said was, yep, defended the title. Like there's really nothing he could have ever said with this promo that was going to get anybody engaged. I feel like the way this character has been positioned is as a generic baby face that they don't feel they need to do anything with him because he's a Steiner. He's Rick Steiner's son. That's his character. That is not a character. That is a, a that's something that 23andMe could have told me. I need these writers to sit down <laughs> and write something that makes yes. him interesting. The writing in uh, the My Rise mode in WWE 2K22 and those generic character promos they have are better than what Braun Breaker is given on a weekly basis. Yeah. And, and and he's the main guy, so this has become like the big flashing, like can't ignore problem with NXT is that we want to hear what the champ says. I mean, Finn Balor back in NXT had, I think, kind of thin promos, but he delivered it well. He had a good look. And he had a long legacy to trade off of. Braun doesn't have that legacy where he can just go out there. Shinsuke Nakamura barely cut promos, and he had That's more true. charisma than than this. Thing. I just I can't I can't. He's becoming like, one of the least favorite NXT champions, and it's not his fault. Like you said, he's got the look, he can wrestle, but there's just something so not interesting about him. And the fields that they're putting him in do not help his case. Yeah, like Bo Dallas. Now, what happened next? Champion. What happened next? I gladly yes. talk about, but you know, yes. Braun Breaker. Nah, he's not it. But I'm just gonna put Braun probably with Bo next to Bo Dallas, and Bo actually had more charisma. Hey, we are not gonna disparage that Bo Dallas run. I thought that was actually a very good run, and it really was. made me fall in love with that character. It was okay. In NXT. Alfred is just the Everybody NXT cookies. champions' apologies. apologies. Yeah, but I'm saying, but I'm saying <laughs> in the rank. Okay, this the here. The Forbes doesn't do listicles. But but Alfred, you should pitch. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna rank the best NXT champions in order, and I guarantee you, you would be hard pressed to put Bo Dallas not in the bottom. Oh my god! Three. Okay, I have an idea. You guys ever seen that show Four Weddings? And they have the brides like judge each other's weddings, and then they rank them based on that. Like they do the average. What if you wow. and Alfred and Glenn, all of us, ranked the NXT champions, and then we had to put them in order based on the average on how we rank them? I'm down to do that. That sounds I will... like it could be fun. Every NXT champion ever? Every ever Man, NXT champion champions. ever. You from your favorite well. to your least favorite. Your favorite. We're not going by title reign, yeah. by, by wins. No, no, no. Just the people that you enjoy their reigns from top to bottom. Sure, sure. But I'm, We're looking doing at, it. I'm looking at this list, and I'm telling you, like... Personal preference. I yep. mean, I'm looking at this list, and... Um, Man, Rollins, Big E, Bo Dallas, Neville, Sami Zayn, KO, Finn, Samoa Joe, Shinsuke, Samoa Joe again, Shinsuke again. Like, 
I'm looking at this and yeah, like breaker. Sorry, bud. Like you're one notch He's above. Va- you're one notch above vacated uh, for the best uh, NXT <laughs> championship ever. I don't know vacated. I mean. Well, of course, Respect. but that's more of an NXT 2.0. This era, anything that happens in this oh, era is going to oh, be now, below now anything he's that pretty much happens in NXT 1.0. No, no, no. No, 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 no. There's a difference between an apologist and saying he's the greatest of all time. Me being an apologist for Braun Breaker, I'm acknowledging that the character is struggling. I'm not saying he's one of the greatest <laughs> champions ever. I don't think it's a fair handicap to say anybody in 2.0 was better than 1.0. These are two different things that we're talking about. Yes, the character is struggling, but Braun Breaker, I'm going to record you guys disparaging him for two years from now in WrestleMania when he's headlining it. And like, remember when these guys didn't see it? I remember when people didn't see it in Roman Reigns and I was the one guy putting him over. Uh, And now I look like the genius that I am. First of all, first of all, I am consistent about the people that I like and the people that I don't like. He's not going to change just because he comes out and cuts a decent (laughs) promo. It's not going to change. He's still not it. I, I am very firm on first impressions. You know, there's very few people that have made me change my mind on how I feel about them in the ring. Uh, Cody Rhodes being one of them. I, I would actually give him his flowers. I've changed my mind about how I feel about Cody Rhodes. But you can you can record me and I'll stand behind it. I'll say okay. space. I'm not here's the Here's the test. <laughs> if we're making an action movie, Braun Breaker is not the lead man. Braun Breaker is like one of the henchmen who has like a little funny moment in the film or the guy that like, you know, takes the bullet to save the hero or the hero. Like, movie. My movie, he's a barista in Starbucks. That's no lines, no lines. He's not talking. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> he just wears the apron. He doesn't wear a shirt underneath the apron. He's just like a meathead barista. <laughs> but like if we don't give him lines, we can pay him with the right same rate as an extra, you know? <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, let me just look. It's 31 minutes. What's today's date? 31 minute mark of the June 7th podcast. Okay, I'll see you guys in two years. And uh, we'll go ahead and remind everybody what you guys are saying about Ron. I'm writing it down too because when you when we are writing, you're wrong. I'm also gonna no. throw it on your face. In, so. fairness, <laughs> in fairness, if you go back and watch the Marine in twelve rounds, like John Cena was too big and he looked like he looked uncomfortable on camera because it just like him next to normal people, he looked like the Incredible Hulk. It just didn't work. John Cena learned that's how the rock to problem sometimes. Yeah. Oh yeah, when I mean, when the Rock kind of slimmed down a little bit, not that he's like slim, but when he wasn't like just muscles upon muscles, it's just easier. Like you can look out of place if you're almost too too uh, buff at a certain point. I'm just gonna. Yeah, there was that period. Throw... Go ahead, Alfred. No, go ahead, Ethan. No, no, you go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay, I was just saying there was there was that period where the Rock <laughs> was doing uh, Hercules and Pain and Gain, and he was like gigantic, but he also had to do ballers, so he had to be on the show with a bunch of regular sized people, and it was distracting how much bigger this man was than everybody else. He didn't look like a normal human being. Uh, I was just going to say that it must have taken talking about movies because there is no way that we should be talking about Brown Breaker, John Cena, and the Rock <laughs> in the same conversation. Just putting that out there. <laughs> Not yet. So Apollo Cruz is back. Hey, NXT, and it looks yes. like he's going to be here now. They've rebooted the character. This is back to the NXT universe Apollo, as opposed to Earth Six Sixteen Apollo, uh, who, uh, yeah, spoke with a good, very heavy Nigerian accent, and was with Commander Aziz on the main roster. This is back to babyface Apollo Cruz, not heel Apollo Cruz. Yes, yes. He's babyface, which means he gets to speak in an American accent for whatever. So he Oh, yeah. Accent. Tells you everything you need to know about WWE <laughs> yeah. right there. 
think about that for a second and what that means and the industry in particular but yeah it's great to see apollo cruz back here he spent like a cup of coffee in nxt i actually went back and looked he wrestled more matches than i thought he did but he really wasn't there for very long uh, but the people embraced him like a star and i love it I, I love the idea of apollo cruz and Braun breaker i love the idea of apollo cruz in nxt and i even like the idea of him winning that title me too. I'm a little sad because I had a great conversation with Apollo Cruz about how much she meant to him to do the accent and represent, you know, where he's from. But that being said, I don't care. He felt immediately so much more important than he's felt in a long, long time. And it's sad because we were pretty high on Apollo when he turned heel and he started doing all the character changes, but then mm -hmm. they went nowhere with him. And I do think that he's one of those ones that got called up way too soon from NXT. I wanted him to have some kind of title run on NXT or something. And I... We've seen a lot of main rosters, you know, little cameos here during NXT. This one feels like one that should stay there and, and pull a Mandy Rose and go all the way and be on top. Like, I really think this could benefit Apollo Crews' career. He's talented. He's got the look. He's got everything. I don't understand why he's not working out on the main roster, but he felt like a, like a mega star as soon as he mm -hmm. came out. And then we saw him again, and he looked like a star in the ring. Keeping NXT if you have nothing for him in the main roster. I think he could end up winning that championship. Me too. And he's so much more interesting than Brown Breaker. I know. And I feel bad for Brown. Like, I feel bad. I never want to just like bag on a talent excessively. And with Braun, it's just like, dude, it, it and this is this was the same problem that Roman had, by the way. It if stopped you, right now. Roman never had that problem. No, 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 no. Hear me out on this. <laughs> if you push somebody so much and put them under that spotlight, it becomes a microscope. And with Braun, like if Braun wasn't the NXT champion, these criticisms would be more smoothed over. It's like Grayson Waller kind of flew under the radar. Grayson Waller came out. It was kind of thin. It wasn't much there. But Grayson Waller's kind of settled in. But there's been a lot of pressure on Grayson Waller since they did those main roster spots. So I'm just saying, like, Braun's almost not getting a chance to grow organically because he's he, he's the champ before he was ready to be the champ. Yeah. Yeah, I see. I see your point, and I agree. I also would love to look at Roman Reigns under a microscope. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> so, uh, let's read some super chats. What part of Roman Reigns would you look at first under that uh, microscope? <laughs> His beautiful smile. Well, you don't know what the answer is going to be. Please, Alfred. Oh, there you His go. beautiful smile. Yeah. His beautiful. Oh, come on now, come on. Get your mouth out of the gutter. <laughs> and just one more parting shot about Braun. We can never talk about him again for the rest of the week, okay? Uh, Braun Breaker is also a babyface in WWE, and they don't know what the F they're doing when it comes to babyfaces in WWE. Forget WrestleMania in two years. When Braun Breaker turns heel and bleaches his hair and starts acting like his uncle and everybody yeah. thinks it's the greatest thing in wrestling, oh, then I'll come back for you guys. Really, Alfred? Well, Cody right. Rose just lifted his left arm to call you and ask you, what are you talking about? They don't know what they're doing with babyfaces. Oh, Cody knows what he's doing, and that is an emergency situation where when WWE wants to book a babyface a certain way because of larger aspects like Cody Rhodes, AEW free agency, and Roman Reigns, those are like the two because they have to have a guy, so Roman Reigns gets he's a heel, and Cody Rhodes just has to be perfect. So when they want to book these babyfaces, Cody Rhodes is an exception. Everybody else, when you look at what they're doing with the Judgment Day, when you look at what they're doing with just about anybody, they are terrible at booking babyfaces. Oh, and by the way, if he's going to feud with Apollo, Apollo's a babyface. Going How do you know? Braun. Well, Apollo tonight, that was babyface. I mean, he aligned with Solo. Like, Apollo, this is babyface Apollo. So here's my thought, actually. Aha. Here's how you book it. 
do you remember how Joe Gacy like wanted Braun to hit him because Joe wants to turn him to the dark side? I think that's what's going to happen. I actually think Joe Gacy turns Braun to the dark side and becomes Braun's mouthpiece. And like this actually could work. It's so crazy. It might actually be a good alliance. And that's how you keep Apollo babyface and you make Braun more interesting. We'll see. And I do agree with Issa's point. If you do want to be a top babyface in WWE, tear your peck off the bone. It's the only way. 1, You've got to suffer a gruesome injury to where 1, it becomes real. And it needs to it needs to show. Like I need to see bruising. Yeah, I need to see pain. I I yeah, that's exactly the way to do it. Absolutely. But you can break a leg too. Oh, you know. Sure, tear up an ACL. <laughs> Go to the same punk route. So some super chats, which we're getting to. I've saved them. Nothing has disappeared. Mike D wants to know, will Gangrel return to help Edge? <laughs> I'd like that. I don't think WWE is particularly pleased he showed up on AEW TV, no. but why not? Yeah, Hojo- I mean, he took a beating. He took a beating at AEW, so he might have to recover from that. Hojo to go Belinsky saying, Alfred, your man AR number 12 in camp today. Thoughts? We still need a receiver. Yes, good to see Aaron Rodgers in camp. We still need Alan Lazard to come into camp. I'm sure that'll get smoothed over. But the Green Bay Packers are your Super Bowl favorites. They were just in Green Bay for Monday Night Raw. And uh, good to see all those shareholders out there. Green Bay Packers, are you guys going to be excited when they win the Super Bowl this year? Are they Super Bowl favorites like your Milwaukee Bucks were favorite to win the NBA uh, championship two well, years in they- a row? I'm just asking, Alfred. Before the referees rigged that series, but the Bucks dynasty is still going on. Uh, for those of you who didn't forget, I like Green Bay. They have nice uh, uniforms, <laughs> and uh, the the color of yellow is this like a very cheesy, like it looks like cheese because they're from Wisconsin. Also, Issa, that was way too soon. My heart hurt when you said that. <laughs> I'm sorry, Alfred. Are we still friends? <laughs> Barely. Okay. Dream Realm Studios. Braun is Channing Tatum as Duke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum had a huge career turnaround when he learned to poke fun at himself. I think this is the end was like the turning point. And then he did 21 Jump Street. Like Channing Tatum, once we knew he had a sense of humor, actually became interesting. Whereas before he was just like very stiff in uh, his acting. Yeah, that's the thing. You really don't know what a lot of these people have, especially in WWE, where it's so formulaic how they present baby faces and really outdated, I think. You don't know what they have until they turn heel. And it's like WWE presents a lot of these heels as cooler heels who are able to explore their characters more. So we've seen a lot of people's careers change just by turning heel. Hmm. So Roxanne Perez versus Tiffany Stratton in the NXT Women's Breakout Tournament Finals tonight. Issa, what did you think of this match and Roxanne Perez winning the tournament? Yeah, I had a feeling that we'll go in this direction, given that Tiffany was not even supposed to be in the tournament. But I actually really enjoyed the match. I like how much time they gave them. And I'm 100% here for Roxy getting this contract. And I want to see what she does with it. I want to see if she capitalizes on it. She's kind of like Queen Babyface. So she probably will announce it ahead of time instead of just, you know, doing what she should do. But overall, I'm happy. I'm happy with the breakout tournament overall. I thought they really did a good job highlighting the women and the up-and-coming talent in NXT. So, uh, yeah, thumbs up from me. 
Yeah, that was solid. Um, it's good to see Roxanne Perez. I think they backed into something good. It would have been great if Nikita Lyons at the time was able to stay healthy and win this tournament. But I think Roxanne is a good pivot, if not a superior pivot. I thought immediately she connected with the audience when she started, and she's a good baby face. And she might be the person to beat Mandy Rose because we've done this toxic attraction, heel stable thing. We've got a three-person stable on SmackDown already. So NXT doesn't really need to replicate that. And I think now it's time for maybe a babyface champion, something along the lines of Io Shirai, to have mm. a run. I think it'd be very interesting to see Roxanne Perez as somewhat of an underdog in all her matches. Yeah, I don't think she's going to win from toxic attraction. I think if it was Nikita Lyons, no, nah, that would have been too soon, though. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, probably. I don't. I, that's why I said I, I want to see what she does with this contract because if she announces it ahead of time, I don't see her winning. If she capitalizes on a moment, then maybe. And maybe that's why she has her little backstage friends and all of that. Maybe yeah. she's working on something. I see her so, winning. Cora Jade was out there. I could see her and Cora teaming up and going after Toxic Attraction. Yeah. Oh, I hope they don't use the contract like that again. That, that was capped last time they did that. Yeah. Um... I like Tiffany Stratton's freak out backstage. Uh, me too. She's good. She's got a chew. perfect voice to be a heel. How it gets very high. And she, I think she's she's going to be something. Yeah, the segment with Wendy Chu throwing water on her. Look, they have such a natural chemistry for a feud, I think. Yeah. Uh, and that doesn't need to have a title attached to it to be interesting. Uh, Pretty Deadly versus Andre Chase in a two-on-one handicap match that Pretty Deadly won. I still think they might show up Friday on SmackDown, but Alfred, what'd you think of this match? I mean, they did kind of look like male models in that segment with their blazers on. I really like that checkered blazer, uh, but I thought the match was fine. I love me some Andre Chase. I think he gets more over by the week. I love Brody. I love that whole act. Or Bodie, I love the whole act. And uh, yeah, of course they did the job, but people are really in to chase you. I know the plants really kind of helped to give them a good push and make it seem like they're more over than they were, but everybody you could see in the arena is now into this whole thing. Isa? Yeah, I'm very sad that Pretty Deadly are no longer the NXT Tag Team Champions. I did love their outfits backstage, and I also loved their in-ring gear. Uh, yeah, I thought this was this was funny. So it's, I I really like Chase U, um, and I and I thought the new student I forgot her name. I'm sorry, but the new student trying to help uh, you know Anthony Chase was just priceless. She was ready to go in there and fight them, which was awesome. But you know, we'll see we'll see what they do with Pretty Deadly. If they don't show up to be part of the male models you know that la night is running on smackdown i don't want them to fade into obscurity here because i find them so entertaining and so they have that if factor every time they come mm -hmm. into the screen and they speak so hopefully they do more with them we'll see mia lee 499 super chat saying tiffany's getting better by leaps and bounds give her a year i could see her as the next charlotte trish uh stratton stratus wow yeah, there will always be a slot in WWE for an yeah. all-American guy and an all-American girl. Right now, Austin Theory is that all-American guy who they seem to be getting behind. And Tiffany Stratton, I could see sliding, sliding into that uh, woman position. Agreed. And just to clarify, to... when I say all-American in WWE's eyes, I mean white. I mean, like, you know, white bread, you know, Caucasian. Aggressively Caucasian is what I mean. I had no so you... clue that's what you meant. I thought you were going for a completely different look. Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> okay, good. I have comments that I'm not going to say right now. Nothing against uh, the town. I'm actually a fan no. of Tiffany Stratton. I think she's doing No, great. I like her too. So so with that in mind, do you think that the spray tan is holding some Caucasian talents back? <laughs> 
Exactly. That's, this a, is not that's why I think MJF respect. is getting screwed. That's why I think they don't want to pay MJF is because he's using too much spray tan. Oh, my God. Want... Way too much. Actually, <laughs> yeah. he, his orange hands distract the shit out of me every time he's cutting a promo. I'm glad that he wore the long sleeve for the for the nook. I don't call it the pie bomb. I call it the nook because I would have been very distracted. He needs to do a better <laughs> job with his tanning. Oh, man. Um, yeah, they definitely have a type. I was going to say I look forward to uh, Tiffany Stratton's feud with Lacey Evans. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Who's going to be the heel on that one? Both of them? Lacey Evans. Actually, <laughs> actually, oh my God, if they were doing this right now, Issa, Tiffany Stratton would be perfect to oh, yeah. steal your gimmick of mocking Lacey's struggles. Oh, and I Tiffany mean, of course, because Tiffany only talks about how good her daddy is to her. And we know that Lacey Evans' daddy was not the best. So it's a perfect you know, feud. Now that I think about it, the way she was doing that with Roxanne, she did steal Issa's gimmick of mocking somebody's struggles. I, I think you need to sue for a gimmick infringement, Issa. I'm on it. I am smart, on Mark, it. Smart Mark Sterling follows me on Twitter. I'm, I'm going to get you guys connected, and uh, we'll please, go ahead and follow that lawsuit. Tell him to follow me, and we'll talk about it. There you go. So, um, Alba Fire versus Tatum Paxley ended about in the time that it took me to say that sentence. With Alba Fire getting a win. Exactly. <laughs> cool entrance, though. I love yeah, the but they, they, Yeah, me too. But they did this match just to put the entrance out there. Because I think I they realized people are high on the presentation. So they're like, we got to get her out there every week. Because this is the only time that they might have done right with the name change in, in a long time. <laughs> you know, once I saw the presentation, I didn't care about the name change. But don't put her out there just to, just to squash people that were just featuring this breakout tournament. It's not yeah. cool. And it tells me Alba's on the short list of people who are probably going to dethrone Mandy Rose. If it's yeah. not Roxanne, I think it's definitely going to be Alba. It's weird that Alba yeah. seems uh, kind of like old school NXT at this point, because she is very much in that model of like an Asuka. Uh, yeah, more uh, tech. I mean, who was champion before Mandy Rose? Who did Mandy win it from? I can't even remember. Raquel. Was it Raquel? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think Raquel. it was Raquel. Yeah. So yeah, Alba's like uh, kind of a throwback. At this point, yeah. but, but no, I think it could be good. But yeah, I think she's she's who I have earmarked uh, to do so. We saw Creed backstage with Roderick Strong. Why can't Diamond Mine die? I mean, as if not the members of the faction, why can't the faction die? Uh, <laughs> assuming you were wishing death on the Creed no, brothers. Wishing death on the Creed brothers. No, no, but like, like, like we talked about this last week, they should have just broken up Diamond Mind anyhow. Like, this doesn't need to exist anymore. It's actually holding back everyone. Yeah, it looks like that's where they're headed, and eventually they will break up, but they're slow playing it. Uh, very slow. Extremely yeah. slow playing it. Uh, we saw Giovanni Vinci, former Fabian Eichner, looking Does uh, he not look exactly like Tony D'Angelo? And he's doing an Italian gimmick? Yeah. Well, but yeah. Tony's Italian-American, you know, whereas uh, Giovanni is, like, more... I don't know. Like that's part in the uh, Godfather where Michael went to Sicily. You know, he's a little more authentic. Is there going to be like a classist war where it's like the upscale <gasps> Italian versus a street Italian, and we're going to get into class warfare of you're embarrassing my people? Is it going to be one of those feuds? That could be kind of cool, actually. I don't think they're going to. I mean, they're going to risk. Like, yeah, it's there could be something there because I've seen that before. I've seen that. Before. I'm with the streets. I'm with the streets. Yeah. Tony wins. Me too. 
Yeah, it's like a new, it's too much nuance for WWE, but it could be like the Italian version of Black Panther, where it's like the royalty <laughs> with the vibranium and the kings against the, the black people that they left behind. It could be like that, but with Italians. I'm ready. I'm ready. And in my head, I just hear the voice that Eddie Murphy was using in Raw when he was imitating like the angry Italian Italian American man. That's what I hear in my head. Beautiful. I'm sure we'll be very sensitive. Very sensitive. Tony B will be in the Killmonger role, and I can't wait. Wait, Tony will be in the Killmonger? Well, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, He's I a guess. street guy, you know? This is the upscale. Like, Giovanni I'm looking for. Like- if this feel happen, we need to order some spaghetti, drink some red wine while we watch the show. You know, like we gotta go all Italian theme. I I did have pasta. I did have some pesto pasta tonight. Although I was using uh, a healthy uh, edamame and like bean based pasta that I was eating while watching my Tony D'Angelo. I'm just thinking, oh, there's no carbs in this. It's great. You're so on brand. <laughs> so on brand. Yes, sure. Tony D'Angelo would slap the edamame pasta out of my hand. Just be like, that's not real pasta. Uh, so let's see. What else? What else? What else? So Creed's going to defend the titles against Idris Sanofi and Malik Blade next week. And Roxanne Perez can team up with Corey Jade and Indy Hartwell against Toxic Attraction. That sounds like a solid, inconsequential set of matches. Yes, it does. But the main event tonight. The main event tonight. Carmelo Hayes and Grayson Waller versus Apollo Crews and Solo Sokoa. Issa, what did you think of this match? So I got play for a second because Apollo being part of the Brown Breaker uh, segment, I wasn't expecting him to be the person to come yeah. up with Solo. So I was expecting somebody else to come out. I popped. I thought it was great. He came back and we're going to see him in action already. But I thought maybe an ooze will show up or something like that. You know, regardless, solid match. This was fun. And Again, I have I have a feeling that Solo is going to take this title from Carmelo, and that's going to be hurtful because I don't want him to have a short title reign. So we'll see what happens. They might make they might make Solo jump through a few hoops before he can get to to Melo. But overall, this was fun. I thought I thought Apollo Cruz looked like a million dollars on the ring, and I'm sure he always looks this way. But it's been so long since we see him wrestle <laughs> that I really forgot how good he is. So yeah. this was great. Yeah, Apollo was legitimately one of the best in the world. And when he was Uha Nation as an indie guy, he was one of the hottest guys in the indie. And that's what that reminded me of tonight. He just seemed so refreshed. Yeah. And I actually like that idea, Issa, of um, Solo going through hoops because they're going to have the Great American Bash July 5th. I would have no problem if it culminated on that. But every week there was a dedicated effort to throw something in his way, maybe a Grayson Waller, a Trick Williams. And he just keeps having to go through these hoops to get to Carmelo Hayes at Great American Bash. And that would be a good way to crown it. Even though it's a short run, at least it's at a big event. And at least there's a story being told as to him chasing it. Yeah. No, he seemed to really be reinvigorated tonight. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Like It was so refreshing. And I really actually do hope that he stays in NXT and possibly wins the title and, and gets a nice reign down there. Honestly, I think if it leads to a Braun heel term, uh, heel turn, I think it could be fantastic. If 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 it's Apollo who turns heel, does the title does the accent comes back? <laughs> of course. Yeah. Well, no, no, Braun Braun turns heel. Braun turns heel. I know, I know. I just I don't you know. know. Yeah, that's what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be an even thicker accent this time. <laughs> 
could you imagine the things that must be said behind closed doors that are just like I'm gonna be kind and say highly insensitive. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine. I'm pretty oh, sure man. they're professional 100 percent of the time. I don't know what you're insinuating. Do they even have HR at the company? Oh, they absolutely yeah. do. But... Don't you remember? Ashley from HR, she was a character on Raw once. <laughs> oh, man, that's I th- a I, th- I, think, I think there's a level, though, probably the vice president level, where, like, HR just stops. HR's like, we can't control anything above that No, no, no. Do you know, fun fact, that Ashley from HR was their actual HR director at the time? Yeah. She ended up becoming the HR director of a different company I work for. So we share lots of conversations. That's awesome. Wow. You got any tea to spill for us today, girl? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. He's <laughs> no, no, no. I'm good. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, that's NXT tonight. Uh, the baby faces won the match. Apollo and Solo. And uh, yeah, welcome Apollo Cruz back to NXT. I have to figure out what to watch tonight. We finished Pistol, Danny Boyle's Hulu series about the Sex Pistols. How was it? uh, You know, I thought, you know what's weird? They made it kind of retro and grainy looking. They shot it in four by three to convey like the 70s. It kind of started off a little slow, but actually it was was pretty good. It was pretty interesting. And um, what I've had stuck in my head all day, kind of a slept on song a lot of people don't remember, but John Lydon, formerly Johnny Rotten, and Africa Bombada did a song called World Destruction that is like... It's they kind of like recreated the drum beat to Mickey, but it's like just such such a banger of a song. I've been listening to that all day, just on loop, thinking about hmm. that. Awesome. John Lydon that was sold out. He has now said he respects the Queen and all the time she has put in. And you know, that's oh. that's not punk, dude. Incredible. <laughs> You're gonna come for him. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, you well, yeah, I'm sure Johnny Rotten really cares about being canceled at this stage in his life. But uh <laughs> Oh man, but it's Tuesday tomorrow. I'm just looking forward to dynamite tomorrow night. Like again, this MJF thing is the hottest story, even hotter than what happened with Cody. I mean, we know Cody's going to take some time off. Hope he gets well, but speculation about MJF, I think is uh, where it's at right now. Yeah. 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 I I will say though, Cody stopped the MJF talk for a little while and it was refreshing. For like a day. (laughs) The conspiracy theory in me. So I know Cody said it was his decision, but I think part of them deciding that Cody was going to wrestle here and they were going to make it a big story was so they could take some of that momentum for themselves after AEW completely dominated the news cycle over the past week since the MGF news. Yes, uh, Dream Realm yeah, Studios. I mean, oh, I'm sorry. And, and you make a former a former AEW guy look like a superhero in WWE, you know, just to make sure everybody over there that's not happy sees it. Two months. Oh, yeah. Just took two months. Cody was in AEW for two years. Didn't get over to this degree that he did in two months with WWE. Kind of crazy. Uh, Dream Home Studios. Yes, I did watch Stranger Things season four. Best season by far of the series. Can't wait for the last two episodes to drop oh. later this year. Well, you know you know what? My great niece is visiting and I had mm-hmm. the honor of watching Pink Fongs and Baby Sharks Space Adventure and I was extremely invested. Let me tell you something. They had to go to different planets to help Fun his star and it, it's incredible. You should, you should all watch it. I'll check that out. <laughs> uh, there you have it, everyone. Uh, we will catch you back here next time on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Have a good one and take care and good night.